Welcome to Forge Comics. Your one-stop shop for discovering more about comic book characters, stories, and general analysis of these epic tales. So join us on this journey across mediums and multiverses to learn more about the amazing world of comics. I'm Trey. This is Jojo. And I'm Petey. Welcome back, guys. Start off with some comic book news. The Beast Boy Fortnite tournament ran yesterday, and I did not place, unfortunately. So I will have to pay my hard-earned money for the Beast Boy skin, which is probably ill-advised. But let's just say it's not the first time I've made that terrible decision. How much have you dropped on Fortnite skins? Shut up, Petey. (laughs) Just just wondering. Well over $150. Oh, my gosh. And that's if right. I don't to... play Fortnite, but I remember comics. That's the whole reason. Uh, There's a few reasons. I remember playing with Trey once, and he's never asked me to play again. <laughs> and I think it's because of how awful I am. <laughs> no, that's definitely not it. I still play with my dad, and uh, I have to explain how to jump over and over. So, <laughs> yeah, that's how I am. <laughs> well, moving on from a uh, Fortnite, we have a bunch of new Black Widow stills that have come out with all of the. Uh, I guess, costumes you want to say for all the main characters. Uh, My favorite ones were Red Guardian and Taskmaster, obviously. I thought it was funny for the new Black Widow. They really just gave her the exact same costume as the old Black Widow. I was like, I don't know why you told us that. That was nothing special. But anyways. They they all looked like everything we'd seen in every trailer so far. It didn't look new at all. Yeah, I did like seeing Taskmaster, like the full, I don't know. I feel like that's the first time I've seen him like full length. So that was cool. It's a little more cartoony than I thought it would be. I'm already looking for my angle as to why he's not such a bad guy. I'll find it. Taskmaster's dope, so you can defend him all you want. Taskmaster is six. We only go up to a six on fighting rating, but he's like a seven. Like well, he's whatever everyone else is plus like 30. So yeah. 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 But we will talk about him. Yeah. And then the uh new Venom 2 trailer dropped. Um pretty cool. It was uh, honestly there was nothing like that surprised me in it, but if you haven't seen it, go check it out. They changed up their presentation of Cletus Cassidy and they made Woody Harrell look a lot less crazy, but more like a murderer, if that makes any sense. So it'll be pretty interesting to see. I'm, I, my first comic book ever involved Carnage, so I'm pretty excited for the movie, but I, I don't like him as much as I used to, maybe because I realized that he was a serial killer before <laughs> he took the symbiote, which is a lot less in- interesting, if I'm being honest. All right. So for today's episode, we're going to discuss the Invincible series as a whole. So starting with Invincible, I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on the series as a whole, on the season as a whole, excuse me. Um, Petey, I know you've read it. Jojo, this was your first introduction to Invincible. What did you think? Did it live up to your expectations? Was it better? How did it rank, you know, kind of compared to the DC animated kind of, that's kind of the bar, I guess, in, in, in animation. So how did it compare? Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Of the series that we've watched so far, Jupiter's Gal or sorry, Jupiter's Legacy, which I finished, um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision of the most recent ones we watched, like Invincible, I think goes above and beyond. Um, it's pretty cool. I actually watched a Corridor Crew breakdown. So those that don't know who that is, go check them out. They're pretty cool. They're these VFX artists and they talk about the animation in Invincible kind of break that down and and um, what their opinion of it was. 
So that actually made me in, enjoy the season even more. I think the story is spot on. The people that they cast are spot on. Um, and yeah, the release, as we've discussed before, the release of an episode per week, I think really adds to the anticipation. Um, but yeah, I thought overall it was awesome. 10 out of 10. Yeah, so I can second that. Uh, obviously, I'm coming from a little bit of a different standpoint, so I'm comparing it very much to the comic, and it's it's uh, it's captivating as a series. When I read the comic, it was basically because Trey said, hey, this is coming out on Amazon. You should read the comic with me. I didn't read it quite as quick as he read it, but I read the first volume, and I'm on the middle of the second volume right now, which we're not even close to covering in the show. Uh, and I kept telling Trey that, you know, I like the comic, but it just felt like it was missing something. And I actually listened to um, a podcast where they were interviewing the writer of Invincible. And it was really cool to hear him talk about it. Um, his name's Robert Kirkman. And he was basically saying that in the show, they wanted to condense it down. He says with comics, you know, sometimes you have to meander a little bit before you hit those big arcs. Whereas in a show, you can condense it. And that's exactly what I felt like the show did. Um, it took all the best parts of Invincible and condensed it down, um, took things and switched it out of order. Uh, put the big parts in where they should have been. I think uh, holding off on the big twist until later on at the end of the season was way better. The, it happens pretty early in the comic series, I felt. So 10 out of 10, I think it's still, um, it's my number one animated show right now, which is, is saying a lot because I, I enjoy animation a lot, but I've, of everything I've ever seen, it's just so well done. Yeah, so that's interesting. I actually had a different perspective because they did, kind of indicate that Omni-Man was not who he said he was in the marketing for the show. I felt like it was pretty, pretty bold move that you could actually go into the show knowing nothing about it, but, but expecting Omni-Man to turn for the worst. And granted, he does show his true colors to some extent in the first episode. But if, if you were to read the comic, never heard of Invincible 4, just picked up the first volume, you wouldn't find out he was, you wouldn't find out he, he was, he was anything other than you expected until you were probably like five issues in, so pretty deep. So it, it was interesting that they that they had him kill the Guardians of the Globe in the first issue, but not really resolve anything, excuse me, episode, but not really resolve it until episode eight. I, I actually thought they were going to have Mark and Omni-Man confront each other uh, a little bit earlier. But as a quick synopsis, we, we did recap the first four issues last week. The... The last four episodes really involve Mark kind of growing as a hero, making decisions, deciding who he wants to help and when he wants to use his powers. And, and one of the best parts of those episodes is it would be easy to think that his only mentor in this adventure would be his dad because he can relate. They're both Viltrumites. His dad's a superhero. He's a superhero. But what they actually show you is that his mom has a lot to teach him. And that's one of the things that the show did really well was humanizing and characterizing Debbie Grayson and showing that you know, even though she's totally human, Omni Man could kill her in you know half a second. She has just as much to teach her son as as her uber powerful husband, and that that's probably the best lesson he learns over the final four episodes. Which which really kind of comes to a culmination when he runs into his dad fighting the immortal and ultimately killing the immortal. And that's how episode seven ends. And he's kind of like Mark, we need to talk, which is one of the big moments of this series. And at that point, he explains to Mark that, yes, he was sent here from Viltrum, but it wasn't to protect the Earth. It was basically to prepare them for a peaceful transition into the Viltrum Empire. And Mark has to make a choice. 
do I help my dad do what he was born to do? Or do I, do I try to stop him? Which is, I mean, if we're being completely honest, I think everyone knows, including himself, Mark, that it's a futile effort to try to stop his dad. There is at no point in that fight. Is there even a moment really where you think, oh, he's got a shot at this. I mean, he, he draws blood like once and the damage that Omni-Man is able to do with Mark as basically a weapon at points against humanity is, is, is staggering. So, so that it, it kind of in conclusion, he continues to fight him. He continues to fight him. And there's this really emotional, powerful part of the end where Omni-Man is really trying to make Mark understand that the lifespan of humans is so short compared to Viltrumites that in kind of absorbing them into the Viltrumite empire and improving the earth as a whole over a long period of time is more important than the lives of Mark's friends or Mark, even Mark's mom. And, and it kind of ends with this moment where Omni-Man says, what, what are you going to have in 50,000 years when you're still look like you're 35 and the earth has crumbled away to dust and through blood and broken teeth, Mark says, I, I, I'd still have you dad. And that that's a pretty powerful moment in the show and in the comics. And, and at that point, Omni-Man what, basically just immediately like flies up into the air, flies away and you see kind of tears trailing away. And so that, that's kind of how it ends. As far as the confrontation, I want to get you guys thoughts on that confrontation. So I think the confrontation was awesome. Uh, it was way more brutal than it was in the comics. Uh, he taught, You talked a little about the brutality of it and the gore that he does. I think the scene that obviously is the most impactful is when Omni-Man basically is trying to tell Mark that humans are basically ants. And he says, why do they matter? And so he doesn't just tell him that. He shows him and shows us why. And the reason how the way he does that is putting him in front of a subway and basically just floating there and letting the subway crash into them. And at the velocity of the subway and Mark being kind of a shield for his dad, people are hitting him and just splitting open into like in half arms are getting broken and split up. You see people running and hitting the walls and heads being smashed in. It's just so much violence and so much happening. And I was actually talking to someone who said that they tried watching this edited. And I was thinking, this isn't a show that you watch edited. Um, I'm pretty against that for most things because there's a reason for that gore. They want you to feel the intensity of this moment. And you do. It's very, very ugly. Uh, and it's not one of those exciting things. It's pretty uncomfortable. But it's a huge moment to understand where um, Omni-Man's coming from. He really doesn't view humanity as on the same level of him. He views us as bugs. And, and that, scene, Mark, that scene, Pete, is shot, shot, so to say, animated from the perspective of Omni-Man. So you, you're looking through the eyes of Omni-Man at the back of Mark's head as the subway drives into them. And it is, I think it's powerful that they showed it from that angle because you really do, you see what it would look and feel like to be just a million times more advanced phys physiologically than, than the people around you. Yeah, it was insane. And then you see Mark, who's just distraught. Uh, one of the other things that I love about this is when you see Mark, he saves a pilot at one point and goes to great lengths to save a pilot that his dad had basically destroyed the plane. They get to the ground. He tells the pilot, like, go, you'll be okay. And then Omni-Man comes down and says, why did you save him? And just grabs him by the head and crushes it. And it's just, again, this moment where you're like, gosh, Omni-Man does not care about us. The only people he cares about are really Mark. And that's to kind of tie it back to what you were saying. The moment that I really liked is when he has a flashback of Mark playing baseball. And uh, 
it's kind of tied with Mark hitting a home run as Omni-Man's punching him. That same sound of the hit is at the same time. It's kind of juxtaposed. Um, but it's really cool to see him. That's kind of what, what wakes him up to realize I can't do this to my son. Um, and then addition to what you were talking about with him basically saying, dad, I'll still have you. I think they do a good job of creating that relationship between the two. So with Omni-Man, he, in the last episode, he's, he's treating humans as ants and stuff. And I guess one thing that didn't really make sense to me is um, his, his love for Debbie. There's like moments where I feel that he absolutely loved her. And then there's moments where I feel that she was just a means to an end. Um, so compared to the comics, and I know that the, it, it's sticking fairly close to the comics a lot more than, let's say, like Jupiter's Legacy or Umbrella Academy. Um, in the comics, does it kind of dive into that? Does does it kind of talk about that agenda that he has with Debbie? Is that pretty? Is that pretty cut and dry? Uh, go ahead. As far as having like Mark, he doesn't use her as like a tool. He just the 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 most intense and awful way that he describes her is the same. It's pulled right from the comic in the series too. He says, "I love your mom, but like a pet." And it's just this awful line that you see in the comic and you see in the series. And it's, that's his view of her is like, yeah, I care for her, but not that much. Not like that. She's my equal by any means. And that's right. what sets, <clears throat> that's what sets Mark off too. I mean, up at that point he was willing to, to, to hear what his dad had to say, despite, you know, watching him literally just slice the immortal in half. I, I feel somewhat similarly to Invincible. First of all, I loved Invincible. I I would give it 10 out of 10. Uh, Probably the best animated show I've ever watched. One of the best comic book adaptations I've ever watched. With that said, I have some of the same reservations that I had about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Potentially with its treatment of a, again, somewhat gray character. And again, I think this this is probably a symptom of my having read the entire series. But what you see throughout the series is Omni-Man struggling to come to grips with kind of what he has to do. He's disappointed that his son gathers, gains his powers, right? Because that essentially means kind of his time as the Superman of this world is up. And yet they took it so far in this finale. They had him kill so many people. Um, I'll just be point blank. This is a character who... It will be it will be always be up to the viewers, but who will go through a redemptive arc to some extent. And I think this made it very difficult to imagine that, even having even knowing essentially what happens. They took it so far. I mean, the scene where the he goes through Mark goes through all the hoops to save that pilot, and Omni-Man says, Why are you doing this? It's so much effort just to save one life that can be just snuffed out like that. I mean, literally just closes his fist on the guy's head. I it, I kind of feel like I did about John Walker because I had defended the character because in the comics, he hadn't just brutalized people like that. He didn't brutalize anyone. I mean, he killed the guardians. He killed the immortal twice, but the, the reason he killed those people was because they represented the resistance to the Viltrum empire. The average person was not going to resist the Viltrum empire. They couldn't resist the Viltrum empire. He just needed to make sure that there was no real defense against Viltrum so that they could take over. And that was it. He didn't murder anyone. He didn't massacre people. He didn't use Mark as a weapon. So that didn't quite sit right with me because I I think he's a character of a lot of depth. And the only thing that was even remotely 
capable of redeeming him and or or indicating that there might be some redemption is when Alan the alien comes in at the end and he says, Mark, I'm so sorry. I had something to tell you, but I, I was all confused. There's a Viltrumite on Earth, right? And it's this funny moment because, yeah, we, we know. One, Mark is a Viltrumite. Two, it's his dad. And they just basically three weeks ago beat the shiz out of him. Um, but his surprise, Alan's surprise that, that Omni-Man had just up and left and just complete, repeatedly saying, like, they don't do that. You're saying he just left? He gave up? He didn't fulfill his mission? That's really the only indication of what that you get of Omni-Man, his change of heart and his kind of depth as a character. Just one thought that came to my mind, because we've seen something similar before, like the the idea of, you know, um, father attempting to to teach his son or or get him to to believe in the in the same uh, system that that he's working in. Um, for example, we've seen that in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 with Ego and Star-Lord. So what would you guys say is is different? Because I do think that Invincible, as far as the story, worked better than the story in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Do you think that it's, it's just strictly the fact that, you know, Ego was just, he was just kind of, um, what's the word? Just villainous, right? There weren't really any redeeming qualities once you found out. So is that really the only difference between those two stories? Or do you think that there's more behind the the story between Omni-Man and Mark that worked better? In, yeah, in I period? think there's a, a lot more that works better. Um, one of the biggest things that I would say with Omni-Man and Mark that's different, Ego, I feel like, just wanted to have an offspring to help expand his universe and his empire. Whereas Om, Omni-Man is, is different in the fact that he's not the leader. He's one of the soldiers. So he's been given a mission to do, and so he's just going to do it. And I think what they do touch on better in the comics is the reason why he becomes a superhero. Uh, it's because he came here to kind of infiltrate, and then he saw all these aliens coming and everything else trying to come in and conquer the world. And that's why he fights them, because he's saying, hey, in his mind, these are my people. I'm, I'm going to conquer them, so you guys need to back off. Uh, and that's how he gains the title of being basically the Superman of the world. So I think that's a big difference is that he's motivated in, in the long run. He's not motivated just to conquer them immediately. And I think another difference is that he's not using Mark. I don't think getting with Debbie was necessarily uh, a means to an end to have Mark. I think it was a result of the fact that he enjoyed being with Debbie. Uh, he did enjoy being with her. And in the comics, he does talk about how much he enjoys uh, the, uh, he basically says, I like that I, I can be with somebody physically, not just for the, the purpose of reproduction, <laughs> which is pretty funny because Viltrum's so advanced, they don't use it for pleasure. And so he's like super stoked about it. Um, well, and they and actually, Mark is the result of that. They actually explain too, and I apologize for cutting off, I feel like it's relevant though. They do explain in the comics that um, up until this point, I don't, I don't think it was known by the Viltrum Empire that that they could reproduce with with humans that's kind of a new development so i think that's why there was some question in omni-man's mind whether or not mark would get his powers but i think that just further proves the point that it was not with the intention of creating another viltrum i mean he, yeah. he he embraced the life for the first 16 years of his time on earth and, and to your point joe that was a great question um another difference is it, it does seem like and whether this is because of p's point i, I believe it's probably a factor omni-man not being the leader of the viltrumites in the comics, they, they really portray this well. He's pretty confident that he knows what he's talking about. He knows that his way is the right way, right? He's thousands of years old, but he's 
while they're fighting, he and Mark are going back and forth. And Mark is saying, stop, these lives matter, stop. And, you know, this isn't the right way to go about it. And there's this, this scene that I wish they had put in the, in the show where Omni-Man's throwing a punch. And he said, what makes you think you know what's best? You're 16 years old. I'm thousands of years old. We've done this millions of times. What makes you think you know better? And I think what I'm really kind of upset about with how over the top he went in the finale is I can see where he's coming from to an extent, right? He's from a completely different world. He was raised a completely different way. He was taught and bred that this is what's best for the earth. So he coming here, I mean, there's thousands of years that went into that. And for him to contemplate that his son might be right and ultimately to some extent accept that and fly away is pretty massive. I mean, the hum- the humility you would have to have to admit that your 16-year-old son knew better than your 5,000-year-old self, like that's a pretty deep character in my opinion. And, and I'm not sure how the average viewer will see that because of the show, because they did take it a little differently, but that that's my takeaway on, on Omni-Man as a whole. So just kind of as a, a recap from the, the conclusion that I drawn from you guys, the difference between like ego and Omni-Man is Omni-Man his is based on a belief system as you said that's backed up by by i guess you could say facts and numbers and statistics and and real real events that he's lived through real experiences whereas ego is more emotional i mean his name's ego right so egocentrical i mean he he says in, in the movie and i'm not i'm i'm not trying to dive too deep into this i just think that it's a it's fairly good comparison similar comparison with but with major um, differences as far as the implications to the to the conclusion. So ego is definitely more emotional based. And he even says, you know, I felt nothing. And it was just kind of a means to to feel something to feel purpose. And he convinces Star Lord for at least a moment, you know, that, that that's, that's really, yeah, something that he, he desires. And it's more pleasure than it is. Um, something a foundation right where i think that also backs up the the storyline to to invincible and why it makes it so good yeah i think it ultimately comes down to painting painting the characters in a in a a light that you can empathize with and with that in mind i wanted to ask you guys what did you think of mark's development kind of from start to finish i believe we talked about how it felt a little tropey how it was a typical coming of age story I'm not sure I personally agree with that, but but I want to get your opinion if you guys still feel that way. So I would say it was tropey in the beginning, the sense of coming to the powers and just um, enjoying them and trying to have those classic. You get a lot of those classic like superhero montages of saving people. You have a couple episodes where he has a few little different battles here and there. Uh, but one of the biggest differences is they do flip it around with various aspects one of my favorite ones that caught me off guard, but that I loved, and it was a big change from the comic. Uh, in the comic with Amber, when he tells Amber that he's a superhero, it solves everything like it does for pretty much every superhero that ever has been created with their girlfriends. This time Amber was like, no, that was still a dick move. Like you lied to me about it when you should have told me, I'm not just going to forgive you because you've been off saving people. Given that's a little bit of a selfish response. I mean, he's a superhero. He's been saving people. But what I liked about it was it was another way of, uh, of Invincible saying, 
no, this, this isn't like every other comic. We're, we're going to do some things different. One of them being this relationship with Amber and with, uh, with Invincible. I, I personally disagree, and this probably sheds more light into who I am personally, whether it be good or bad. But um, I, I really thought that Mark deserved some kind of sympathy, given the fact I, I get... Uh, I get Amber's point of view, but at the same time, it, it's not so much that he he's just keeping this um, from her and hiding it from her, but this is brand new to him. Like it's a brand new experience. So from my perspective, um, I thought that her acting that way was, was selfish in, in, in my eyes, which is funny because um, from our discussion earlier, you guys were thinking that Mark was, was selfish in the fact that he, he was keeping that from her. And the other thing to add to that as well is it's like, it's, um, I mean, they're teenagers, right? Like how in love can you really be as a teenager? Yeah. And so I don't know how much you'd really want to invest, especially when it comes to your identity yeah. into your first yeah. relationship. relationship. So. Fully valid. And, and actually, I don't, I actually empathize with Amber, not because Mark didn't deserve some leniency, but because I think she had every right to not want to date a superhero. Like that basically means you're gonna be a terrible boyfriend. And I think it would have been okay if he told her that. So she could have gone into it knowingly, but ultimately if someone said, Hey, it's super dope that you're a superhero. Unfortunately, it means that you're never here. I don't want to date you. Like, I think she's totally entitled to that. And so that's why I didn't really have a problem with doing that. I actually kind of liked it. Like, because PD said, you know, it's, it was kind of another way this 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 story is pretty self-aware and kind of laughs at a lot of superhero tropes. Yeah, and one thing that I did really enjoy, kind of answer your question about the whole super superhero tropey, I think they needed that. I think they needed an Invincible to have a somewhat typical character arc. My reason for that being, I'm to the point where I'm, I'm kind of annoyed with a lot of these, these newer takes on superheroes with them being um, like villainous what puts superheroes in a bad light overall. I mean, Watchmen does it where you have these superheroes who are all horrendous human wow. beings. And now the boys, 40 years later, everyone talks about how great of a series it is on Amazon. But it's the same idea of like, no, all the superheroes are actually the bad guys. I like gray heroes, but it's like, no, like at the root, superheroes are good. Well, so I like. it's funny that you say that because like that's a very recent trend so you say like oh i'm it's catching on really quick well, it is because it sells right now but i mean it's a, it's a trend that's maybe five years old with the exception of with the exception of Watchmen. yeah there are not dozens of stories of superheroes being evil over the period now is it is the market of you know 2019 to 2021 oversaturated with superheroes being kind of incorporated and uh, incorporated and evil? Sure. yeah it's it's a little bit of a hot topic right now but I would say if you if you step back and looked at comics as a whole, ninety eight percent of superheroes get some kind of tropey origin, and yeah, I, I appreciate it. I think it was important to to have the first several episodes be somewhat tropey, somewhat corny. But it contrasts Omni Man to contrast Omni Man, and inevitably contrast the chaos of that final episode. And I, I'm pretty sure I could I can safely say that this is kind of where the tropes end. And, yeah. and, and Invincible really takes a very pragmatic approach on life as a superhero. I mean, that's what I was there for. I just love to have felt like, okay, if I got superpowers, what would I do? How would I make money? Would I go to school? Well, like those are all, he deals with those things in such a realistic way. Like 
sorry the idea of peter parker delivering pizzas and then losing his job as a science prodigy intern like that's ridiculous like i like that's just that's over you want to talk about overdone that kind of stuff is overdone this is you know he maybe yeah i won't say anything because i think i think this this season probably while it doesn't line up perfectly with the ending of volume one this essentially served as the end of volume one and they'll probably start off volume two with a little bit of that finale from the comic book and but i think we'll get we'll probably get three seasons each one roughly lining up with the volume that of their respective volume and he'll have a lot of that growth in the next in the next season so i do have a question um for you guys who have obviously read the the comics and and watched the series and you've touched on a few of the things that that have been different are there any things that worked better in the series and in the comics that for you was either a pleasant surprise or um, other things um, that didn't work so well? Yeah, they, they massively diversified the show, um, leaned into the fact that Mark was biracial, which was awesome. Debbie was a strong character. Um, William eventually came out as gay, like in volume two, I think, but to have him straight up right there as a main character being gay was, was a, a big improvement as far as diversity goes. And then I think, the last thing I'll say is I think the the glances and the emotion that you see flicker across Omni-Man's face um, as he was kind of struggling with the decision of when and how am I going to have to start to take over this world. You got that in the show and you didn't get that in the comic book. Yeah, so I think the things that I think I liked more about the comic overall, one of them, I think I liked Adam Eve a lot more in the comic. Uh, I, in the show, first of all, I love the voice casting in this show, but for some reason, her voice um, did not like it very much. Um, I think one of the reasons why is I feel like she is just kind of sounds old for Adam Eve. Adam Eve is supposed to be what, like 17. And I mean, Jillian Jacobs, the actress that does the voice acting for her, she's in community and she's great. She's hilarious in it. But again, I just, I couldn't get past the fact that she's she's in her late thirties. So that was a thing that kind of bugged me. I also thought in the show, you see her a lot more. She actually goes to Africa in the comic. I'm sorry. In the comic, she goes to Africa and you see her do a lot more good on a long-term basis with one community, uh, which and this is kind of stupid. Cause she's like, Oh, I don't want to be a superhero anymore, but instead I'm just going to fly around the world and do what superheroes do anyways. Whereas in Africa, she's actually going to the communities and helping out, working with them, building up their, infrastructure their irrigation all these things she's doing on a much more on the ground level uh, and she's accepted into that community so i like that it shows her develop herself more as a community sorry as a character away from the superhero community i think I, yeah I've, i think i read that they they had her not go to africa to avoid the white savior trope i believe um, oh that's not makes my sense. opinion I'm, I'm pretty sure i read that somewhere um i do agree you could do it in a different country too i think she did though things with the south america i don't know you're that's right not I mean, a white savior I, well you're that's that's a great point. I, will, I didn't love it either yeah i will i will just to add to that i i will admit it definitely felt more like uh, a list of things to check off than an actual investment and an actual care like she she definitely said it but it was just like she's flying around trying to do all these things all at once and then she goes to her fortress or whatever lays down goes to sleep yeah it's up the next day and even though yeah it looks busy and that's awesome it's almost like it's like that argument of good versus best like it's a good thing but i felt like it could have gone a little bit further and 
I actually agree with you, but can I make a counterpoint? And yeah, it's, yeah. It's a, it's a point that they raised uh, in one of the 85 million articles I read about how bad Falcon and Winter Soldier was, was superheroes in general in American comics are very reactive. Something happens, the status quo is damaged, there's a giant alien, we fix it, we put the status quo back, at best we rebuild the buildings. What they don't do is run around improving the infrastructure. Captain America never does anything but stop bad guys and keep things, put things back to normal, right? Even, even Sam in his giant speech was not making anything better. He was just like, hey, be better. And then he left. What I will say is, while I didn't, while I didn't enjoy Yadam Eve at all in the show, honestly, um, I think she was the first foray that I've seen in a long time of someone saying, hey, and this is really her point in the comics. I mean, I guess maybe I'm not sure that it made it across, but basically in the comics, she basically said, all we do is stop bad things from happening. And we just re- kind of repair the earth back to where it was. So she said she, her powers were better suited to go somewhere else and literally improve things that are not threatened. Uh, did they cinematically make that enjoyable to watch? I totally agree with you, Jojo. It was not, it was nothing interesting to see. But when you look at it in kind of that scope of a, of a superhero, not fighting bad guys and punching stuff, but going and improving communities somewhere else, I can at least appreciate it more. If that makes sense. So I actually didn't see it from that point of view, what you just brought up. I think it makes sense. So like you talk about the infrastructure and whose responsibility is that? If you look at it from the outside scope, you really wouldn't expect superheroes to be doing that anyway, because with infrastructure, there comes a lot of investment, a lot of time, a lot of resources, and superheroes can't really do that while also saving the world or the universe or whatever it may be from villains and from natural disasters and from other things. So yeah, I, I, I do see, see that point that you made. When you look at even, it's even in the name sometimes, right? You hear Avengers, um, which is typically the second act, right? You know, obviously something had to happen that needed avenging. Uh, kind of interesting. And, and the point too, I think that Adam Eve makes in the comics is she's uniquely equipped to go and improve places could mark do a lot of good in a third world country absolutely however his power set is uniquely equipped to punching aliens i mean there's no denying that whereas adam eve is like okay yeah i can punch aliens too or i can go literally create food like it's it's a it's a good point i mean i love this story because i think it's a lot of robert kirkman's opinions on superheroes and comic books and i i just happen to honestly just agree with a lot of what he has to say but i think throughout the stories he'll give his opinion and he'll kind of weigh in on different topics and and his characters go through things that no mainstream superhero is going to go through and you'll see what i mean if we make it to season three specifically there's a lot of things that happen but adam eve and mark things happen to them they go through things that people can relate to and they can find a lot of I mean, that's what we're looking for, right? We're looking for ways to relate to these characters. And if and if nothing bad ultimately ever happens to Superman or Stu- Spider-Man never loses his job, like things like that, it's kind of hard to relate to these characters. Yeah, I agree. He does a really good job of taking the expected and then making it unexpected, but adding layers to it so it's not so in your face and... Not so much like shock value, like, oh, wow, that's this, that's different. I didn't realize, but really giving reason for it um, and showing it through through the shows. I will say that I just watching the series, I 
I found Adam Eve's parents so obnoxious. And I think that's that's kind of the point. How many um, times did they show up? Were they did they show up? I only remember like twice. Yeah, and the, the dad's just it, it just that was definitely expected. It was just the typical dad, kind of like the 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 dads that tell their their kid that there's no point, you're never gonna make it, kind of the very pessimistic. There's no reason to be a superhero. Go go to college, go to university. Like, there's no reason. Which I mean, I get, but it was just like, are you kidding me? Like, who is who are these two? Just they kind of seem like lazy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they were both drawn big, and I think there's kind of symbolism behind that. But just kind of go to work, do your job. Um, very '90s esque type parents. It was an interesting decision for sure to make them kind of, I guess, regressive. Is that a word? I know we use progressive pretty liberally, but is regressive yeah. a way? Yeah. I mean, is somebody in this situation out there in the world where their parents are like, hey, don't actually, you know, achieve your full potential, just meet the status quo? It's hard to believe, even when you see it, you know, whose parents are really telling them just be average, don't do your best. It's kind of weird, but, you know, it's an interesting point to illustrate. And considering we only really met, Honestly, we only met the parents of him, you know, obviously Mark and Eve. It's interesting that they chose to make them such an extreme. Yeah. yeah. And I think what's really cool and we'll see about Omni-Man's characterization. And I, I've been thinking about it all day trying to figure out is, you know, can he come back from, from what happened? Probably not in the eyes of, you know, earth, but it was really interesting to see. I mean, you basically got a full society of people, very, very Spartan. I mean, if you look at the Spartans and times them by a thousand, essentially, that's the Viltrumite Empire who lack humanity, right? And that's the meat of that scene where Omni-Man is standing there watching Mark play baseball and the kids suck. And the dad's standing three feet from Mark pitching underhand and the kids are missing the ball. And Omni-Man is just like, oh my gosh, this is like, ridiculous why do i have to watch this if you're gonna make me watch it at least let me fly up in the air watch it from up there and debbie comes over and she's explaining it's like look you have a son now and the point of our lives is to experience joy through mark and right at that moment obviously on strike three he happens to hit the ball and he starts running and you could just see omni-man start to change and start to see how excited mark was as he ran around the bases and you see by the time mark rounds third Omni-Man is like super hyped and cheering for Mark to go home. And it's interesting. I mean, we're all going to go through that, right? As you know, parents, we're going to go through this growing and life is no longer about you. It's about your child. It's about watching your child and helping your child achieve. Your goals are kind of secondary, right? Uh, and, but what's crazy is Nolan Omni-Man had thousands of years of not understanding that concept, never been introduced to him children were just a way of expanding the empire and he's got to break that mold and change who he is and that's the moment where he kind of sits back looks at what he's done to his son flies off into the air and you're crying and it's like wow i mean yeah is it gonna be hard to ever look at him again considering what he did absolutely but the the amount of change that took place is is intense as well it's almost as intense as the bus scene for a different reason 
Yeah, and I think comics in general, but specifically in Invincible, it's taking these very realistic issues and it's just escalating them, right? And for for some people, they, they may think, well, that's unrealistic. But if you look at the root of it and look at kind of the purpose behind the writing and kind of the symbolism and um, the lessons that can be learned from it, it actually really elevates your understanding of parental roles and roles of children. And I mean, going back to Adam Eve's parents, you can tell that their parenting style is very much based on, on fear, right? They don't want her to fail. And probably because of their own experiences, right? Where they're, they're trying to shelter and protect their kids from, from failing and, and get them into a better position. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but then you look to the contrast of, not even considering Omni-Man because obviously he puts himself in a position where fear and risk is, is uh, very common, but even Debbie, right? She uh, wants Mark to be successful and she rarely gets in the way if ever um, and is pushing him and motivating him. And she realizes that, you know, with risk and failure comes growth. And even though it's scary, you know, as, as a parent, and hopefully this is something that I can apply when, when I get the chance, um, you kind of have to like put the brakes, take a step back and think, okay, what, what I'm going to say to my kids or what I'm going to teach them, is it going to hinder them or is it going to help them? Right. And I, I do like that contrast between Adam Eve's parents and then in this case, I'll just specifically say Debbie because Omni-Man is obviously in a different situation, different scenario that's probably not as relatable for us. So, Yeah, I, that's a great point. And, and, and I never honestly gave two seconds of thought to Adam Eve's parents, neither in the comic nor in the show. But I think if you read Jupiter's Legacy and I think if you read or watched Invincible and didn't come away with at least some more ideas on how you want to parent and how you want to be as you raise your children. I think you wasted your time. I mean, I think that's what's, what's interesting is you can learn so much from this stuff. I mean, in all media really, but, but comics, because they do take things and they hyperbolize, right? I mean, it's so dramatic. Everything about comic books from the suits to the abilities, to the personalities, it's so dramatic and yet at the core of it it's a lesson about parenting or it's a lesson about you know how to balance your your time or be who you want to be and i and i think it even i was just making a connection while you're talking right there to yeah obviously we talked about deku's fight with shoto right in my hero academia and he's he's telling shoto you know these are your powers they're not your dad's do what you want with them be who you want to be don't avoid being something just because it would make your dad happy. And then you look at Debbie and she has this very similar conversation with, with Mark when he wants to go help Mahershala Ali's character. And Nolan is saying, why? That's a complete waste of your time. And Debbie's like, it's your, it's your abilities. It's your choice. Live your life. If that's how you want to use your powers and who you want to be, then do it. And for me, I mean, I take a lot away from that. I, I think it's really important it's so easy to impress on your kids. I think what you want them to be. I mean, I was just talking today about to my wife about, how I want to raise my kid to be a wide receiver. And it's like, what if he doesn't even like football? You know, it's like, 
I think what I've learned, you know, is you ask your kid what their goal is. And I, and I hope this works. Ask your kid what their goal is and then help them achieve that goal. It's something Endeavor never did with Shoto, right? He wanted him to achieve his own goals. He didn't say, hey, Shoto, what's your, what's your goal in life? Oh, I want to be the best superhero ever, dad, like you. Okay, in that case, if you do X, Y, and Z, like I'm telling you, you will make it. But if he wants to do something else, then, then you should take a different set of steps to help them accomplish that goal. At least that's something I've learned recently reading comic books, because we've seen a lot of examples of bad parenting over the, the last couple of issues. I mean, I would actually argue you've got, you know, obviously Utopian. Then we read some My Hero Academia. Then we read Invincible <clears throat> or Watch Invincible. And then even I would count Batman as a father figure to Dick Grayson. And I would say even he's pretty terrible. So really kind of a the rogues gallery of bad dads. It makes you wonder uh, what trauma these writers live through when they were <laughs> when they were growing up um i guess this would be the as we're talking about parenting this would probably be the perfect time to mention because you're listening and you're like where did pd go he went to uh take care of his his little kid so he's sacrificing his own uh kind of um desires <laughs> so that he can go take care of his 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 crime baby so just a perfect example of uh, daily heroism <laughs> yeah exactly so I guess in conclusion, to wrap up the, this section on Invincible, and we did go a little bit long here, it, it's a phenomenal show. I, I'm a big IMDb guy. Joe and I both said that we would give it a 10 out of 10. IMDb has it at an 8.9, which my personal rating is anything over an 8 is an, uh, almost an instant classic, and, and you really need to check it out. So 8.9 is pretty wild. Those final two episodes both got like 9.7s, which basically means it's perfect television and, and, and I'll be the first one to admit any issues that I had with the, with the episode was more of a, a deviation from the show. So really, I mean, just as far as the animation, the storytelling, the dialogue, it's all phenomenal. It really is. And, and it, it's a little graphic, but that that's the only drawback. Deviation from the comics, you mean? Yes. Yeah. My only complaint, if anything would be some deviations from the comics, uh, the storytelling, the writing, the animation, everything is phenomenal. One of the best, one of the best shows I've ever watched. All right. Well, that concludes our episode for this week. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at Forge Comics. And hope to see you guys next week. Now,